This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast with the SoLink Front of the House. This is Franchise Today on Wednesday, July 31st. I'm Stan Friedman coming to you from Marietta, Georgia, in the northwestern suburbs of beautiful Atlanta, the ATL. Many thanks again to the UPS Stores Vice President and Franchising of Franchising and Business Development, Chris Atkins, for joining us last week for an inspirational discussion about the franchising division of UPS and the depth of their commitments to initiatives that are dedicated to veterans in franchising. As you may recall, I was completely blown away by a stat that Chris shared with us regarding the percentage of franchise ownership within the UPS franchise network that's represented by veterans. It was an astounding number, like 400 of their 4,800 franchisees are veteran-owned. That's just a a hair shy of 10% overall, and that is an amazing number, and it demonstrates that they do more far more for veterans at UPS than just talk the talk. So hats off to the UPS store and veterans put them to the test. Ask what Brown can do for you. And I think you'll be amazed by what you hear back. Thanks to go to Joash Mencius at Fleischman Hilliard in St. Louis for making this interview possible. Can thank you enough and appreciate you for all the hard work in bringing it together. This week, we're going to talk with Angela Cote, an interview that was originally scheduled not once, but twice this month, which, but for logistics, scheduling, and summer uh, getting in the way, these would have ha- aired probably a week or two ago. She's here today, though, and will join us in just a few minutes. But first, I have a consolidated two-week birthday list to power through and a franchise summer tour update uh, to serve up to you as Ryan Hicks will join us from the road as he and Zach Fishman have been hitting the interstate highways in their Franchisors.com luxury tour bus, which is making stops at dozens of Franchisor HQs in cities across America during the course of the summer. In fact, by the time they're done, they will have completed more than 50 podcasts and vlogs with an impressive A-list of franchising professionals. Ryan will be here in just a few minutes to talk more about that. But first, those overdue birthday wishes go out to Reg Bird, Monica Fied, Eric Reese, Justin Balloon, Jeff Jervik, Dan Collins, Steve Lynn, Raul Saluja, Chris Lean, Adam Vidanovich, Michelle Monroe Rowan, Mike Herrera, Bill Wagner, Douglas Rogers, Therese Tilgen, Brian Spindell, and Steve Greenbaum. How cool is that? Partners for years, and they have shared birthday wishes in the same breath. And lastly, the ever smiling, iconic Greg Tanner. And that does it for this week's birthdays and lasts. So that was a bit of a double dose, but we powered through it pretty quick. And now, from somewhere along America's interstate highway system, Ryan Hicks, where are you, my friend? And where have you been? And more importantly, where are you guys heading next? Stan Friedman, thank you very much. Uh, we have been everywhere. Where haven't we been <laughs> is the right question. You know, I think but- I think I saw this I think I saw this blur going down Interstate 75 a day or two ago. Maybe it was three days ago. But it was kind of like watching an episode of The Flash on Netflix. I saw this red and gold came and went through Atlanta like the speed of light. Could that have been you? That probably was us. Uh, I I believe uh, the biggest 
uh, scheduling us not spending an entire week in Atlanta. We only have folks. Um, however, next time we will spend a lot more time in that market. I think there was scheduling wise, we already had a couple of folks accept and it just uh, on the other side of, of Atlanta and it just put us with limited time. But what a great, great place community wise. But yes, I know we did blur by. I know you're in motion right now, which explains why your, your phone is cutting in and out on us. So do your best to get four bars, maybe five and, and tell us a little bit about where you are now and, you know, a little bit of insights on what you've accomplished and where you're heading next. Yeah. So first and foremost, I'd like to say that it is pretty incredible as we bring the podcast to the road and we go meet in franchisors offices and also multi-unit folks. We're meeting with a lot of different, uh, different leaders in the franchise world. Um, but it's been pretty incredible to see the, the level of hospitality. I mean, we're eating like kings literally going to gain like 10 pounds on this trip because folks are taking care of us, whether it's dinners or, or a meeting at you know, food, food service concepts, and they're just gorging us with food. And it, it's been pretty incredible. Um, but also the, the, just the community, the willingness for folks to go share their secret sauce, their best practices, knowing that we're stopping, you know, two stops along the way. We're hosting folks that they might consider as competitors. And so it, I think it just speaks to the, to the, the franchise community that we, we love and we hold dear. Um, but also there's just, there's just common themes and it's really neat. And that'll come out kind of in the content, uh, that we, that we're putting out. Um, but as, as for where we're at right now, uh, we're, we're in Florida. Um, earlier this week, we, Linked up with the folks at College Hunks Hauling Junk. Uh, we linked up with the folks at Dreams Vac- Dream Vacations, uh, Puro Clean. And ahead of us this week, we've got a number of different incredible leaders, including Don Fox, who you set up that meeting, Jacksonville with Firehouse Sub. Um, so we're spending the rest of the week in Florida, and then we'll be jetting up north from there. We are right almost at the halfway point. So this is, we're, we're rounding out week three this week. Uh, we have six weeks in total. So we've got a long way to go, but it's it's really nice from our perspective because we've got a comfortable groove as it relates to the team. We've got a whole crew on board with us, um, so we're we are just we're gonna we're gonna have the the halfway point this coming weekend, and then we've got three weeks to follow after that. And are you and Zach still talking to each other? Not only that, but we've got <laughs> a we we've got a really nice process down. You know, when we look at when we look at common themes. You know, us as suppliers, we also have our processes, and we learn from the franchisors that we meet with. Um, but you know, we've got we've got a really good rapport, not only with Zach and I, but with the rest of the team because we have videographers and audio engineers that we're managing. And so, I think it was is really interesting. I heard a uh, yesterday we were in a meeting, and uh, the folks that we were meeting with said, when meeting with franchise prospects, and you're sitting across the table, and you're going through the normal process. You know, you look at these folks and if you can answer the question, would I jump in a bus with this person and travel across country? If you can, if you could say you would do that, then they're a candidate for your system. And so I could say that for the team that we have on board here. Well, that's great. You know, that's close quarters at a rough and a warm time of the year. Uh, I guess this is when you find out who your friends really are, Ryan. And while it's been, <laughs> it's been fun promoting this for you and helping you get the word out as uh, the franchisors.com uh, buses hit the road. The tour bus can't help but think that you two guys have to be living vicariously a little bit, getting a taste of what it might be like to be a rock star. 
and um, and hit the tour bus to hit the country and, and go from stage to stage. I hope you guys have a tremendous amount of fun. Stay safe on the road. And um, for certain, over the next week or two, we'll be checking in with you again. Thank you very much, Dan. Thank you for promoting it. And uh, we will be talking with you soon. I appreciate it. Franchise Today will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors. This portion of Franchise Today is brought to you by Zoracle. Providers of spot-on profiles, the gold standard of assessment tools that assure you're selecting the right franchisees every time. Unlike DISC or others that simply gauge personality or communication styles, Zoracle's spot-on assessments are all franchise-specific and based upon seven sciences that nail the results each and every time. Your prospects simply answer a few questions online and like magic, Zoracle's algorithms scientifically slice, dice, and analyze their thresholds for risk, their business acumen, and even their propensity for single or multi-unit ownership. Zoracle's spot-on analysis is like having a crystal ball. But there's no hoodoo here. It's all based upon science that flawlessly determines franchisee, franchisor compatibility, and accurately predicts performance. Why don't you schedule a demo today and take a complimentary look and see for yourself. It's the closest thing to a sure thing. Zoracle, spot on assessments based on science, but delivering results that seem simply magical. Check them out at www.zoracleprofiles.com. And now for today's guest. As a franchise growth catalyst who's been on both the Zor and Z side of franchise relationships, Angela Cote helps franchisors reach their growth goals faster and having more fun along the way. Her resume really doesn't tell half the story. Her family founded the iconic Canadian brand M&M Meat Shops, a successful coast-to-coast franchise company that grew to nearly 500 locations and won multiple business awards and distinctions along the way. Angela's background with the corporate side of M&M Meat Shops Her business education and the franchise locations she currently owns in Victoria, British Columbia have given her a unique and valuable perspective that she uses daily to help franchisors with their growth. A year ago, in August, Angela joined forces with Cultivate Advisors, a talented and dynamic group of results-oriented entrepreneurs who help small business owners achieve exponential growth. The three key areas that Angela specializes in are field ops for franchisee compliance, guiding existing franchisors for sustainable growth, and helping small business owners determine whether franchising is a proper fit for them and their businesses. So it's been a long time coming, but today is the day. Angela, welcome to Franchise Today. Thank you, Stan. I'm super excited to be here, and I'm I'm hoping that uh, with with that big intro, I can come up with something smart to say. Well, we're going to put you to the test and we'll let the audience decide that. (laughs) You know, you are unique and and the audience uh, knows this listening weekly to the podcast. You know, we do 52 of these a year. And with the rare exceptions of guests that may be a Dina Dwyer Owens or a Ray Titus, people who have been second generation franchising themselves, we typically start the podcast by asking our guests to agree with us that franchising is usually unintentional and it's not something that we plan for or go to school with the intention of getting into. It kind of finds us along the way, except 
in the cases of people like you who are born into it and have grown up in a, in a franchised environment. And that perspective that you can bring invites so many more questions from a different point of view. So why don't you rewind the tape a little for us today, talk a little bit about those growing up years and what it was like to grow up inside of a franchise family and even where your first involvement may have come in the business. Well, that that sounds like fun. Well, my very first involvement, I think I was um, sitting at the back of the store creating boxes, uh, child labor. But anyway, I'll, I'll get back to that in a minute. <laughs> so, um, so my dad started the company in 1980. So um, I was five, and so I, I over the years did everything from from dressing up as as Kelly Kebab, as I'm sure you've heard me say, to uh, to working in our corporate store, to you know actually helping train franchisees in the corporate store as a teenager. Um, and then working in our head office in various functions, and then out in the field. Um, and that was one of the, the most um, most valuable experiences, which I'll come back to in a minute. I guess for the listeners, maybe I should clarify that. Um, so M&M Meat Shops is a retail frozen food business that, um, you know, my dad back in the 1980s, he had this foresight that women were starting to get into the workforce and families were getting busier and they needed something, you know, convenient, but quality to put on the table when they came, you know, running in the door from their uh, soccer practice, kids soccer practices and, and that sort of thing. So that's, that's the original concept. So it's, you know, frozen food over a retail counter that we serve and sell to people to go and take home and, and put meals on the table for themselves. Um, Kelly Kebab, yeah, go ahead. you know, you got to come mm-hmm. back and explain to the audience. I'm, I'm getting a picture that needs painting. So I know. We can't find a pic. We can't actually find a hard photo of this, but it is true. You can ask my all my cousins and relatives. Um, so, and in the early days, what's kind of funny is um, my dad and, and my uncle, who he was, he was partnered with at the time in the business, um, really loved Texas. So I always kind of joke that I've got a little bit of Texan blood in me. And so they w- we actually had condos down in Corpus Christi, and so I think they were kind of inspired by the Texan theme. And we actually had our our mascot, which was on our logo was two tall texts. And my brother, I I was Kelly Kebab at grand openings, but my brother had to dress up as two tall texts. So it was like a Texan on, on workman stilts walking around, you know, rain, rain, uh, or shine or snow in Canada. Um, can you imagine the risk today, the, the liabilities? Um, yeah, so we, we, we did a lot of family, um, you know, know, we were all involved. We had cousins, we would go, we would get in a big RV and, and as we were expanding the stores across, you know, different areas of Canada, we'd, we'd all show up in this RV for the grand opening. And, um, yeah, I don't think I realized how much I was learning at the time. So talk about the business and growing up beyond just being a mascot dressed up in a costume in a parking lot for a grand opening. And we will find pictures. I promise you, if they're out there, we're going to get them. Um, talk a little bit more about, you know, most kids grow up and think that, you know, going to McDonald's, that's what they know about a franchise. You grew up inside of a franchise family. Um, what kind of other jobs and things did you do? And did you even yeah, understand well, what you were doing then, what it was all about? 
Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I think it just, it happened also naturally. And, and I will say, you know, my, my dad always said to me, you know, Hey Ange, you're going to, you know, people are going to, you're going to be under the microscope. You're going to have to work twice as hard. Um, you know, people are really watching what you do. So, you know, he really instilled a, a strong sense of work ethic, or maybe we could call it fear <laughs> in me um, to, to, to work hard. And so, you know, but he always said, I'll give you opportunities as long as you do work hard and, and, you know, kind of, uh, um, you know, follow, follow the rules and, and work hard and, and sort of show people that you, that you're there, that you deserve to be there. So I actually got to do some pretty neat stuff, you know, like, like I said, working in our head office, um, helping develop things for the marketing, um, programs and, um, in the operation side of things. But I think the biggest thing where I learned the most really truly was out in the field. And this is, I, I mean, I use this today, which we'll, we'll get to after. Um, so I was the female boss's daughter, you know, 20 year old, 20 year old boss's daughter showing up in, in stores across Western Canada, or not even the stores weren't ready yet. I was helping get them up and running across Western Canada in the late nineties. You know, I was fresh out of university and you can only imagine, you know, these older male franchisees who had invested their life savings were like, what, like, what do you, who are you? What do you know about risk and running a business? And who are you to tell me what to do? So I got put through the ringer and learned a lot about, you know, franchise relations and really that really helped me understand what the franchise relationship is. You know, it's their business, but they're following our systems and how do we get them to do that? So that, that probably had the most impact on me. And then other roles that you played and other jobs that you did and, and climbing the ropes, you know, I, th I think of stories that Susan Beth used to talk about on, um, her superwash family days growing up inside their car wash business. And she and her sisters were out collecting cash out of the machines and out of the, out of the dispensers, you know, that were the car wash machines and automation. Um, mm -hmm. what are some of the other fun things that gave you foundation and helped you become the fun person that wants to help other franchisors not only grow compliantly, but having fun doing it? You know, I think uh, probably one, another area that really impacted me the most is is, is the grand openings that I mentioned. Um, I was in different roles where, you know, I had been working at our corporate store. So I would go in and, and, and I would help even just, you know, with sales behind the counter at a grand opening. But, but we, we had such a culture of fun in the business, which is a big part of why I think we were so successful because that, you know, people like that, of course, and they're more motivated to work hard. And so we would show up and we would wear like silly hats and things. And, um, and then the other thing is, you know, on those grand opening days, we're we really were trying to wow the local market. And so I learned a lot about, you know, how making that first impression on a customer and, and the value of that important customer service was. And so, you know, that day was like, it was like our big, you know, our big performance really, right? And so the, all the prep work that we did in advance of that day um, from the corporate side, you know, um, organizing um, different people to come in and, and do, you know, play music at the at the event and, and, and bringing politicians in to cut, help cut the ribbon and things like that, you know, just seeing all that in action and understanding how important that that impression was in that customer service. And then within that, working all the roles, including going into the freezer, which was like minus 20, you know, un unpacking boxes and, and again, work just having to work hard. So I think, um, I think on the corporate side, you know, that and then being in the field um, really gave me the two different perspectives. And if, yeah, so in the head office, I did various things. But those are the things that really, I think, shaped what I understand about franchising, because it really is so much about the relationship with the So family. I'm going to serve up something that might help you share with the audience a reminder of how you and I met. 
but it, it seems to me like your family drew the line at the border and decided that the U.S. wasn't a market that they were going to play in. Is there a reason that you're aware of as to why they stayed confined to Canada? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, you know, as as any any franchise uh, expert knows, um, it's typically uh, easier and less resources, and it makes the most sense to expand. You know, maximize your home market first. And in our situation, um, we you know we had to figure out the logistics of of entering the U.S. market because we always tried to we tried to source our product as much as we could from the Canadian economy just to support our own country. But we did have products that came from the U.S. and we had some that came from Australia and, and Thailand, like our shrimp came from Thailand. So that that whole logistical like, well, do we switch suppliers where we had built relationships and and were receiving like volume, you know, discounts and rebates was was a big part of it. So I guess what I'm getting at is is it's a ton of time and, and resources and energy to enter into an international market, you know, to cross a border. And so I don't know if you know this, but in 2006, when um, my dad had stepped down from the role of president and brought in a, a new president, and he was at that time the CEO and you know chair of the board. Um, they actually started down that path of, of researching entering the U.S. market, and and, and actually got got all their ducks in in order, and um, went in with a bang in early 2008. <laughs> so you can see where I'm going with this, maybe um, if you remember oh, what yeah. happened in 2008 um, with five stores in Madison, Wisconsin, and um, we're all within a month, all opened corporately. We actually had a new brand name called My Menu. They did a ton of research and found that that was a, a a appropriate name and um, and that that should work. So they we went in and uh, the economic downturn happened and we couldn't find franchisees because franchisees could not get financing and it made more sense at the time to cut our losses and and come back you know come back to focusing on Canada. So it's kind of a sad story, but um, but a good kind of a good lesson for people that are thinking of of entering a new market that you know there's a lot of absolutely. Risk and we want to just, just for memory's sake, a quick, quick tidbit about how we actually met and the impression that it, that you had when I was familiar with M&M Meats reminded me almost of Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore. Do you remember the movie Ghost where, where you know, yeah. <laughs> he comes back this, as, okay. and, and he's the only one who, or she's the only one who can see him as a ghost. And it was, we were in this, right. at this um, springboard I guess 2015, maybe 2015, 16, and and you're amongst all mm-hmm. these people from the U.S. franchising world, and you know your family's background, but mm-hmm. nobody here knew a thing about Eminem except maybe a couple of us. And when I heard who you were, I said, "I know Eminem meets," and you look like, "Oh my God, you can see me, you can hear me." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember thinking, "Oh my gosh, this is awesome!" I just, I think my credibility is going up a little notch because you you kind of did the like, "We're not worthy." Uh, you're like, "Wait, your dad is Mac," and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is a relief." Yeah, all you Americans down here, you know, you don't know the brand, but yeah. So thank you for that. You helped. It kinda, uh, it's kind of funny though. I mean, we don't, we just don't think of that. We take for granted that what we know here is everywhere, and and I suppose in yeah. reverse, <laughs> it's culture shock to come down from Canada. And and be one of the largest franchisors in that country, and here you are, um, you know, people coming into the U.S. going, Eminem, what? Yeah. <laughs> 
Exactly. Well, I will say, you know, I've been very, very fortunate um, to to have met great people like yourself that have connected me to other great people. And um, and, and I, you know, it's funny because when when I was uh, was younger and I was trying to, you know, get my my own kind of way sorted out, I often would hide the fact that my dad was the founder of this company because I was trying to establish credibility with people. But now I leverage the heck out <laughs> yeah. of it because because I realized that yeah. So whenever I needed, you know, trying to speak with somebody that I, I have never met and I, I, I mentioned in an email or whatever, hey, you know, love to get on a call. And here's my quick backstory. You know, family grew a business. We grew to almost 500 stores across Canada. You know, it helps it helps get a foot in All the right. door. We're going to take sure. a quick break. And when I come back, we want to quickly talk about your experience as a franchisee. And then we're going to dive deeper into peeling back the onion as to what it is you do today and who it is you help and how you go about doing that. So all of that is ahead. Franchise Today will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors. This portion of Franchise Today is brought to you by Zoracle, providers of spot-on profiles, the gold standard of assessment tools that assure you're selecting the right franchisees every time. Unlike DISC or others that simply gauge personality or communication styles, Zoracle's spot-on assessments are all franchise-specific and based upon seven sciences that nail the results each and every time. Your prospects simply answer a few questions online, and like magic, Zoracle's algorithms scientifically slice, dice, and analyze their thresholds for risk, their business acumen, and even their propensity for single or multi-unit ownership. Zoracle's spot-on analysis is like having a crystal ball. But there's no hoodoo here. It's all based upon science that flawlessly determines franchisee, franchisor compatibility, and accurately predicts performance. Why don't you schedule a demo today and take a complimentary look and see for yourself. It's the closest thing to a sure thing. Zoracle, spot-on assessments, based on science, but delivering results that seem simply magical. Check them out at www.zoracleprofiles.com. And so, Angela, tell us a little bit about your life as a franchisee and, and when and how did that manifest? Mm-hmm. Actually, it's kind of interesting. So in the late, you know, it was about 1999, my dad called me. I was working for our area developer in Western Canada, which was kind of neat because it was uh, and that's when I was in the field, when I talked about being in the field, it was kind of neat because it was more removed from, you know, what I grew up with, you know, family uh, office and that sort of thing. So um, I was working in that office and my dad called me up and and he's like, you know, we're finally ready to put stores on Vancouver Island. But we look at the market and the demographic looks kind of wonky compared to what we normally normally find where we have success. Um, and we're kind of afraid to give it to another franchisee because we don't know if it's going to work. And if anybody could make it work, you should be able to make it work. So, you know, are you interested in in switching you know, over to the franchisee side in the business? And, uh, you know, so like I said, he, you know, gave me the whole, you know, you're going to have to work twice as hard and all that because I don't want people to think you, you know, get special privileges. Um, so went over to moved over from Vancouver over to Victoria on the island and opened three stores in a year and a half. Um, the awesome thing was as much as I like to pretend it's cause we were so awesome. The market really was ready. Uh, our projections for the first year for each store were in the range of 900,000 and we did 1.7 million in our first year with the one store, uh, 1.5 and then something like 1.5 again with our third store. So the market truly was ready, which is 
really a testament to the value of, of franchising a brand. But maybe I was also really good at what I so <laughs> was What were some takeaways bad. for you out of that experience that you would perhaps otherwise never have experienced? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great question. Well, and I'll throw in this. My dad sold a company about five years ago to a private equity firm. And so um, I experienced, you know, for the first uh, 14 or so years, you know, you know, s- still different than as if I was, you know, I was removed from from our corporate office at that point um, and, and experienced, you know, what, it, what it's like to be a franchisee. But then it even got more uh, real, like real and, and, and different. And I went through some different things as, as a franchisee of, of a, a brand that was now being run by a different different leadership team. Um, so what I would say, um, you know, what I what I took away that I use today is really the fact that you are, you know, it's your own business, but at the end of the day, you still, you know, you do have to follow the system. And when the franchisor team comes in and, and, you know, asks why you're not doing this or why you're not doing like, you know, I'll give you a really good example at, at M&M, we sell frozen, like everything's flash frozen. So high quality and, and retains the, you know, the, the product quality integrity, but we sell frozen salmon. And I live you know, I'm in Victoria where salmon is abundant and we, because it's a franchise have to sell the consistent product line. And on the East coast of Canada, there's, they have the same problem with lobster tails. Like they can, you can go and buy a whole live lobster for like, you know, a quarter of the price of the frozen lobster tail that we're selling. So to experience that feeling, I think is really helpful for me to really relate to what franchisees feel like when they don't understand or agree with, a system that's that's required of them and you know we we followed the system in the interest of you know protecting everybody's investment and and really trying to maintain consistency of the brand so and that, that is still that's a piece of the work business. that you do today isn't it i mean I'm, i'd talk mostly about you helping to cultivate relationships with the emerging franchisors and helping them get started out of the gate correctly but you do work too don't you with franchisors that have franchisees that need a little bit more coaching up on the need to protect the brand and do those things correctly. Talk a little bit about that work Mm -hmm. and that part of your work. Sure. Yeah. And it's really, it's what I'm super passionate about and have found that, you know, because of my upbringing and and because we were so um, concerned at M&M with, you know, with, with listening to franchisees and giving them a voice, I think I just learned so much on that. And so what I see a lot of the time is that, franchisors, you know, they're so wrapped up, whether they're merging or established and they've got a full team, it, it doesn't, I mean, it can happen in any, at any level, you know, that they, they lose sight of the, the per, the people side and the soft skill side. And, you know, here I was the 20 year old female boss's daughter showing up who wasn't really properly trained in that, in the field. And so I see that a lot where people are sending a, a more junior person in this super important role. What I think is the most important role in a franchise is that person supporting the franchisees. So now I work to either coach those people and help them s- sort of slow down and understand that like you can show up with an agenda because your your, your goal is to work through this agenda and look at KPIs and, and try to test the health of the business. 
But if the franchisee is 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 not engaged or you know not buying in, no one's gonna get anywhere with that, you know. And so we got to dial back, slow it down, and and tap into our soft skills. So I coach the field coaches and or if it's an emerging franchisor, I often am coaching them on how to approach those franchisees and try to get them to come around. So I'm talking about everything from uh, franchisees that are disengaged, that are just kind of complacent and disengaged to the disgruntled franchisees. Um, let's get in there and try to figure out what's going on. Sometimes I even go in directly with the franchisees and let them, you know, sort of purge out their frustrations to me, you know, in confidence. And then I take what I hear and I try to help build into, like, help the franchisor build into the system a way to address that concern that they're so bringing. So the, the to me. giveaway here to the audience, um, and it's a valuable nugget that you're leaving, is ignoring things like those problems. Don't make them go away. Uh, with time, they get worse. And addressing them, and even if need be, with a third party, some influencer who can come in and capture each story from, because everybody knows there are always three sides to a story, right? So you're getting the Z side, you're hearing the Z side, and then as a third party disinterested, really, you're able to help each convey to the other um, how to get this fixed before it gets fixed by an arbitrator or a mediator. Is that right? Exactly. Like I would way rather help them figure out, you know, what I, what I love to do is, 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 you know, try first, I'm going to, I'll use like a kind of a frustrated franchisee as an example, but to go in there, oh, well, the first thing I'll do is coach the franchisor or their field person to handle it. And if they, if, if it's just not working, then, um, okay, let, let's, let me have a conversation with them, um, and go in and find out like, you know, what's at the root of this. And if, if it's something that just got missed and we can address it and get this person turned around, that person is going to become one of your biggest brand ambassadors. If we can't get them to turn around, let's help them see how much better their life could be if they did something that they actually enjoyed, which is, i.e., let's move them out of the system. So let's have a conversation that, you know, we're either, and I, I'll, I'll admit I stole this from the Baisley brothers. I don't know if you know Luke and Brian. No, I don't know them. Uh, from Driver's Seat. Fellow. Okay, rock stars. You should uh, tune into them. They're 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 up and comers for sure. Their brand is. They just actually sold their first franchise in uh, in the U.S., which is in Nashville. Um, but they use this term, and I really like it. Um, that have the conversation once once you get some buy in from the franchisee that is sort of frustrated and figure out what's going on. I mean, you can't go in with this hard. You have to do this right. But to have like sell, we're gonna help. Or sorry, we're gonna help you grow, sell, or close. You have three options. So if you want to grow, okay, we're going to support you with that. But we need to know that you're like, you're on board. And that's where that first conversation needs to happen. If you want to sell, we're going to help you sell and get the most money for it and bring the right partner in that is a fit. And if you want to close, cause this is just not working, then let's see if we can figure that out with you. But there's no, I'm kind of reminded of my Zor right? days when I used to share a similar concept with those franchisees that were just always churning things up. I, I would tell them, I don't care how badly you act out. I'm going to help you. I'm either going to help you in or I'm going to help you out, yeah. but you're going to get yeah. help. The status quo is no, yeah, not, status not quo is no more. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and, and it's, yeah, I really find so often that when people feel hurt, just, I mean, in life in general, right. It's, it happens in all relationships. So when franchisees feel like they're being heard, 
sometimes it's not even a matter of, of making a big change. It's sometimes just something really small and they feel valued and, and now they're willing to, you know, play the game, participate in, and follow the system. So it gets missed because it's almost like it's just, it's so obvious that it, that you overlook it or I don't know if obvious is the right word, but I, I see this so often. And, and I'm always amazed when I have conversations with my franchise or clients where I'm like, you know, have you tried talking like this? <laughs> and to me, it seems simple because right. it's easy when you're on the outside, but when you're thick of it, you just don't necessarily see that it that way, or you feel like you're, you're catering to something you shouldn't be catering to because you feel like you're giving in and it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not giving in. We're being strategic here. Let's see if we can strategically turn this around. And if we can't, then we're going to have the next conversation, but it's going to be a win-win situation. We're not trying to make anybody lose here. That's all good stuff. And that too, I'm assuming you do that work for franchisors of any size, right? Because you don't have to be large or giant to have large or giant size problems. You can have a couple of franchisees and one or two of those that even of a handful that are in that predicament can become real disturbers to the growth of your brand. So that's something that plays in all franchisor sizes, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And and yeah, I mean, more than anything, it happens in the early ones because they don't know who they're looking for and they get the wrong person in and they don't have the right fit and the expectations weren't set right. Um, but one other area that, that I work to that we at Cultivate Advisors um, work with people is in in supporting franchisees as an extension of their um, support team. So, you know, and this is something that's good for franchisees to probably hear too. I don't know if you have any listeners that are franchisees, but um, that, you know, a franchisor, I think franchisees often overlook, you know, the fact that a franchisor is, or they don't realize that the franchisor is investing until they get to royalty self-sufficiency. But even then, they're really investing back into the business to continue to grow and support the business. And so, you know, they, they don't realize that the resources are limited as they are often the franchisees, right? And so the franchisor can only do so much in terms of support. So we have some programs where we come in and we do like a, we'll do a monthly webinar for the franchisees on, you know, specific skill set that they need, like sales training or uh, how to recruit the best people for your team, like your employees, like just coaching and guiding on that. Um, and so that can be something that the whole chain, like I have, I have one client who the whole chain um, is welcome to that. Like it's, it's a webinar that I do monthly. I have another client who she chose her top um, five performers and we call it a performance roundtable, and we meet monthly and, and they get those five franchisees and myself, we get on a call and we talk about their challenges and how we can raise them up higher. And then they go back and we've got them mentoring the franchisees that are in the middle and the bottom. We're going to go piece. We're going to go pay a couple more bills or one more bill anyway. And then when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the work that you do at Cultivate Advisors and the work that you're doing to help those emerging franchisors get it right the first time. We'll be right back. Franchise Today will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors. Franchise Today is produced and presented each week by FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM and document management software designed specifically for franchising. FRM enables real-time business intelligence, communication, and collaboration between all members of the franchisor's team and their prospective and existing franchisees. This empowers your team to simply and seamlessly track access and manage all communication 
to and from prospective and existing franchisees, including texts. Legal and compliance is simplified too with FRM's document management, and even site visits can be digitally facilitated and scored using FRM. Make today the day you give FRM a look and assure that all of your candidate and franchisee correspondence, including texts, are being permanently tracked and archived in candidate and franchisee records. FRM even provides state-of-the-art digital experiences for your prospective franchisees, replacing old-style virtual brochures. There are no long-term contracts required. Multiple upgrades are offered each year. Well, that's interesting. That spot just decided to come to an end. <laughs> Technical <laughs> difficulties. My that. life is riddled by them, Angela. So let's take our remaining time together, and we want to talk now about the emerging side of the business and sharing some of your wisdom with those emergers that are coming to market, either have already entered the space or are considering getting into the space via franchising, and give some of those early adapters some things to think about, some things to work on or to consider. Yeah. All right. Well, the, thank you for that. And I, I, you know, I would say the number number one thing is to get somebody on your team that understands fran- early franchising. And by that, by a team, I mean, whether it's, you know, an advisor like myself or, or somebody that knows, because I, I get so um, frustrated when I see franchise franchisors, you know, early ones that have been sort of, they're, they're piecemealing together this information that they're getting from different people in franchising that, oh, you need to, you know, spend this amount on marketing or you won't, you're not going to make it. And, you know, I feel like there's, there's a lot of negativity and, and I actually, I love when they come to me before they start so I can try to talk them out of franchising. <laughs> so I'm not, I, I'm kidding, of course, but I'm not trying to say that uh, franchising, like when I said, you know, the negativity, I just want to help them do it right. And I want to help people get into it with the, the true picture in their mind. And I think I showed you a couple of years ago, my mind. Absolutely. Map I, I remember that. Yep. Is that right? Yeah. So I've got a mind map that I created that shows like the visual of like, here's what you're getting into. Here's all the components we need to set up. Um, and so when, when I first approached somebody that hasn't started, you know, we talk about the capital uh, being one of the big things that, you know, being well capitalized. And if anybody's listening and wonders what that means, then they should definitely reach out to myself or somebody in franchising to get a good understanding of that. Um, and then, and then really kind of going through the criteria, like, do they have the unit economics figured out? Do they have a unique brand? Is this system dependent? Do they have the right DNA to be a franchisor? And uh, and do they have a long term vision for this? So I just I just spewed out kind of my criteria for whether or not they should franchise. Um, but you know, get the help of a professional is one of my big t- tips. Um, I get a lot of people coming to me that have already started and they've they've this is, you know, tends to be kind of the low lying fruit for me. And I don't mean that in a, I mean it in a sincere way. They come to me and they've, they've got that one or two um, franchisees in the, in the system that are, are just, they're just butting heads with, and they're like, what do I do now? And so I'm going to go back to what I said earlier that let's see if we can get those people to turn around. And if we can, great. If not, let's try to move them out because we're just being dragged down by the wrong people. And let's start this right. Let's figure out who is your target. You know, let's leverage your network of people that are already in love with the brand, your followers, you know, clients, customers, friends, family, whoever's following you on social media. Let's leverage that for growth um, and save you some, some, you know, time, money and energy 
by br- like bringing in the right people, not the wrong people and, and not spending, you know, overspending on things we don't need to spend on. So that's, that's really my approach. Um, and, and really with the really true sincerity of like, let's only do this if it really makes sense for you, where I don't want to, I talk about the franchise factories that people get put in where they, you know, all of a sudden they spend a couple hundred thousand dollars and they come out on the other end and they don't know what the heck they're doing. And they've got a few, you know, they've got their operations manual and their FDD and maybe a website, but they don't actually know what next. You know, I, I always say that the franchising business is about the proper management of expectations and that not enough franchisors treat their prospective franchisees to a left and right side of the brand experience to help evaluate whether they are the right candidates for the brands. What do you use for an acid test with those people that haven't yet become franchisors, but are thinking about doing it to help manage their expectations from the get-go to help them understand that they're getting into or they're getting into a marathon, not a sprint. How do you how do you convey that to them and share with the audience some things that they should be thinking about if that's who we're talking to right now? I've got a big smile on my face right now because I'm thinking all I'd have to do is get them to talk to a couple of uh, other franchisors that have already been through it in the early no days, right, <laughs> to help them understand. Um, but all kidding aside, I I think I just um, you know we I, I really dig in on with them on like drill, double click on what, the, what is their long-term goal? And if, and, and in fact, I spoke with um, somebody yesterday who, who were looking at working together and they have uh, one, one franchisee and one corporate location. The corporate location has been very profitable. The franchisee is really new, um, but they're struggling with, with some things. And I was like, I don't even want to talk about continuing to franchise until I know that you are truly like, are you in this for the long term? Tell me about why. Like, why do you want to do this? Like, if it's for the money, then that's definitely not a good reason, unless you understand that it's a long game. Um, it, you know, if if it's again, if they say to me, well, I just want to sell, I want to create a big business, sell it in 10 years and and move on. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's not very likely. Like it's just such a big animal. So I like to really dig in on that and, and then talk about the DNA of a franchisor. And, and by that, I mean, things like, you know, having um, compassion um, it, for people and understanding that these people that you're in the relationship business, and these people are going to be the judge and jury of you every day. So you have to have thick skin and you have to be, you know, you're running this franchise business. Now you're not running the wax bar or the, you know, the fitness gym anymore. And, and so really kind of helping them. I paint that picture. I, we use the mind map. We talk about the capital, you know, it could be easily anywhere from a couple hundred thousand to, you know, even 500 in the first couple of years just to get going. And that usually shocks people. So I try to just be very real about it. Well, I don't think you can be real enough. I think that I say this week after week that whatever your secret sauce is and whatever your product or your service may be, um, side by side and equally as valuable as the culture that you instill in your business and the, the way you manage your home office and your human resource, your human assets, your team um, is all a reflection of what a prospective franchisee can expect to be treated like when they come on board. So. Yeah, absolutely. Like if you can understand how to do that, then that's a good sign that you understand people. And so a prospective franchisee should be definitely looking. I wish we had two hours today. We only had one and some of it got eaten by some technical things at the front end of the podcast today, Angela. And I know you're up against a hard stop. 
what did I not ask you today, if anything, that you wish that I did? Because I never let anyone get away without at least having one bite at that and telling me that I, I missed something that you wished I'd asked. <laughs> I wish I would have known you were going to ask me that. <laughs> I think I would say um, that, uh, you know, I'm, I, I kind of like to say I'm on a mission to, to bust the myth that franchising is turnkey. And by that, I mean, from both the perspective of, of selling franchises as turnkey, because I think you mislead people to think it's not going to be hard work and, and you're going to get for people in there that, that are, are not willing to go build business in their local community. And then on the other side, you know, the, the, the idea of franchising a business, you know, being the franchisor, when you think about, like, I see this all the time where people get, um, they get, yeah, I don't know if they just overlook this, but they have this successful business and they say, oh, there's these other people that really like my business business and they want to invest and have one themselves. It's just not that simple. There's so much more to it. So I think that's probably my, my mission in life is to, to, you know, bust that myth that franchising is turnkey, but then to help people do it right. And if the audience wants to find you and have a deeper conversation, why don't you share some contact info with how they can get in touch with you and or cultivate advisors? Yeah. So a and email is always good, Angela at cultivatedadvisors.com. And then I'm also on LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram. Um, and, and I really sincerely mean it that I'm, I'm happy to have conversations with people and, and help them sort out those early steps. And then if they want to explore further how, how we can help them, then we can go down that Any path conferences well. or events that you're going to be at anytime soon? Yeah. So um, we've actually, well, Springboard is coming up. I'll be there uh, September, I think, 18th or, or 19th or something like that in Philadelphia for Emerging Franchisors. And then um, we actually, for Cultivate Advisors, have one called Catapult and it's for small business owners. So it's perfect for franchisees. And it's in Chicago, September 25th to 27th. And we actually get really in on working on the business. It's not just listening to a bunch of talks. We get people into a lot of roundtables and like pulling out pen and paper and making plans and, and, you know, doing things to grow their business. So that if people want to hear more about that, they can reach out to me or go to cultivate advisors. Angela can't thank you enough. We've tried to get this conversation going for a few weeks and, and making calendars and travel work is always a tough thing to do, but I appreciate you carving out the time to share these valuable nuggets with the audience today. And for being here with us on Franchise Today. Well, that wraps another insightful interview as we turn the page on the first half of summer 2019. And it's been a great month of interviews at that, starting with Firehouse Subs CEO Don Fox, Two Men in a Truck's co-founder Briggs Sorber, the UPS Store's VP of Franchising Chris Atkins, and wrapping up today with Angela Cote. No dog days of summer here, and there's plenty more ahead as we kick off August with Jonathan Barnett, founder, president, and CEO of OxyFresh Carpet Cleaning. OxyFresh has seen steady growth over its 13-year history, with an impressive 348 U.S. franchises, eight locations outside the U.S., and eight company-owned stores. We'll talk about it all next week with Jonathan Barnett. Please remember to subscribe to Franchise Today at Block Talk Radio and that you can download us from iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and virtually anywhere that podcasts are found. And remember, too, you can even ask Alexa to play the latest episode of Franchise Today. Remember, too, to like us on Facebook. And until next week, I'm Stan Friedman wishing you the best, the very best of all things franchising. And Franchise Today is out. 
Franchise Today is a production of FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM tools to empower relationships with prospective and existing franchisees. No excuses, just solutions. Find them online at frmsolutions.com. Join Stan every Wednesday at noon Eastern for another live episode of Franchise Today. Or, as always, download episodes on demand at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes.